are listening to a sermon from the pulpit of Redeemer Church, a PCA congregation in Hudson, Ohio. For more information, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org. Well, I invite you this evening as we turn to God's Word again to turn to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus. We are in chapter 10 this evening. Should be on page 88 of the Pew Bibles if you have them in front of you. You remember Leviticus is all about approaching a holy God and communing with a holy God. God has entered the tabernacle that his people have built and his glory is too great for his people to be able to enter. And so Leviticus opens And God provides a way to approach him through sacrifice. Through sacrifice. We saw the first uh, five chapters were these sacrifices that God gave Israel. And we saw how all of them ultimately point to Christ. But they, for Israel, were God's means of drawing them to his sacrifice on their behalf. And it purified, it cleansed, it atoned for them when they put their faith in the coming sacrifice through these visible displays of God's grace. And so we saw those those five sacrifices spelled out in detail. And then we noted in chapter 8 that the priests then were installed. They were ordained, they were set apart, they were purified for the ministry of the priesthood to offer these sacrifices for the people of God. And we saw last time in chapter 9, this incredible story of the now ordained priests offering the first sacrifices, this first public worship service for Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai in the newly constructed tabernacle. It It was a glorious affair. And we saw at the end of it, the glory of God came into the tabernacle and Aaron and Moses now could approach it could approach God, could come into the tabernacle. And we saw at the end, at the end of chapter 9, all the people of Israel shouted and fell on their faces. What a glorious moment. God was dwelling with his people. We reached something of a pinnacle for Leviticus. This is what the Leviticus is all about, right? Communing with God, approaching God, and Israel is there, right? But we're about to fall off that high point today. We see these two stories side by side. Chapter 9 of the glory of of appropriate worship, of obeying God and acceptable worship before God. And now chapter 10, unacceptable worship. These stories are set side by side for us to see the comparison. For us to learn the grace of God and his instructions for us as we worship him. So let us read this evening Leviticus 10 verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord from Leviticus 10. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphon, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron. 
and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose, and do not tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die. Lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, drink no wine or strong drink you or your sons with you when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to distinguish distinguish between the holy and the common and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. As the dwelling place of God in the Garden of Eden was so quickly defiled by his priest, Adam, so the dwelling place of God in his tabernacle was quickly defiled by his his priests, Nadab and Abihu. We see here, there is danger in drawing near to God. There's danger in drawing near to God. That's why Israel could not enter at the end of Exodus. When God was present in the tabernacle, there was danger. People could not enter for fear of their life because God is holy. And how can a sinful person be in the presence of a holy God? There's danger in drawing near. As we read from Hebrews 12, it says, our God is a consuming fire. There's danger as these two characters, Nadab and Abihu, found out. These are the two central characters here in this story, this brief narrative. Nadab and Abihu were two of the four sons of Aaron. They were specifically mentioned with Aaron and 70 elders in Exodus 24. And Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 elders went up upon Mount Sinai with Moses to hear God. They saw God while they were there. Exodus 24 says, whatever that means. Moses went up to the top of the mountain, but Nadab and Abihu, along with their father Aaron and 70 elders, were there closer than anybody else in Israel could be to God's presence on Mount Sinai. In Leviticus 8, they were consecrated to the priesthood. They offered the first offerings along with Aaron and the other two brothers in Leviticus 9. These two men Nadab and Abihu, they knew about the holiness of God. They even saw God as he came down upon Mount Sinai in the cloud and the thunder. They were there. They were near. They understood the law of God. They knew it. They even understood the grace of God. They had a front row seat to what God was doing in bringing Israel out of Egypt into their promised land. These two men, they knew God. They knew the holiness of God, but yet they committed a lethal error here. We're going to see as we unpack this briefly, we can draw near to a holy God through the sacrifice he has appointed for us. We can, you and I can draw near to a holy God through the sacrifice he has appointed for us. I'm going to look at three things. First, Nadab and Abihu's sin and consequences. 
Second, the holiness of God. And third, the grace of God, as these issues arise from our text here. So first, let's consider a little bit more Nadab and Abihu's sin and the consequences. The great sin occurs in verse one. This great sin, in many ways, we don't know exactly what they did. We don't know what it was. We know that they were performing their duties. They had a censer. They, had, they, they knew the altars. They, they had their incense. And they offered, according to the text, unauthorized fire. Unauthorized fire. Some translations say strange fire. A fire that was strange that God had not authorized. We don't know exactly what this means. Was it a small thing? They messed up and, 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 and did the wrong offering? Maybe the wrong incense at the wrong time or the wrong altar? Some say maybe they were inebriated because of the instruction later that the priest should not drink while they are on duty. We don't know. Maybe they were just careless. Maybe they weren't as reverent as they should have been. But the core is this. They defiled the holy place of God and worshiped him apart from his commands. They did that which God had not commanded them. It's not that they broke a law that God had given them, but they did something God had not told them to do in worship. And so they defiled the holy place of God, worshiping him apart from his commands. Now, is this a great sin? Is this a big sin? Or is this a little matter? A lot of people would say, well, this is a little matter, right? They, they were doing it from the heart. They had good intentions. This is overreacting. This is a trifling matter. They wanted to worship God. But what is at issue here is the holiness of God and his commands. What does the holiness of God demand? And we see what it demands when we see the grave consequences. The grave consequences, what comes immediately upon Nadab and Abihu is judgment. Death by a supernatural fire from God. It says in verse two, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. That phrase before the Lord is interesting. It means in the presence of the Lord, before the face of the Lord. This fire came out from before the face of the Lord and consumed them while they were still there in the presence of God. This fire is divine justice being satisfied. These sinful worshipers were justly and rightly consumed. We saw this word last time, this word consumed. It's a very violent image of a, of a supernatural fire. It means being eaten, being devoured, very violent. So these men were consumed. They did what God what they, they did what God had not authorized them to do, and they were consumed by fire. The sin, the consequences. So what does this mean? What does this story show us? First, let's consider the holiness of God. And this is what Moses tells Aaron in verse three. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Moses tells him, when you come near to me, you must be holy. I must be sanctified when people come near to me. And Aaron held his peace. Aaron understood Moses' explanation. He understood the holiness of God. He understood God's demands. 
Commentator Gordon Wenham says this, the closer a man is to God, the more attention he must pay to holiness and the glory of God. Paraphrasing what Moses said here, I'll read it again. The closer a man is to God, the more attention he must pay to holiness and the glory of God. Because Moses says, among, or the Lord said through Moses, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. So the nearer you get to God, the more holiness matters. So what did Nadab and Abihu's unauthorized fire do? Another commentator says, their unauthorized fire brought the unholy in touch with the holy things of the sacrifice. The tabernacle was set up as a holy realm where God dwells and something unholy entered in and defiled the holy place of God. And that helps us understand the rightness of this judgment. God's holy dwelling place was defiled by man's sinful actions. And yes, there's remaining tension because the holy place has been defiled with this great sin and this death. And so how will it be cleansed? And so we see the introduction of of cleanliness requirements here. We see that non-priests went in and brought the dead body out of the tabernacle with, with coats. They didn't touch him because if you touch a dead body, you'd be unclean as we'll see another time. And so they didn't touch it. The priest couldn't do it because the priest certainly couldn't be near or touch a dead body. And so non-priests, but relatives of Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's cousins came in and removed the body. So they're, they're cleaning the temple or the tabernacle, removing that which is defiling a dead body. But then we also see in verse 10 that Moses tells Aaron to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And the point of this now is they're saying, we understand defilement has come upon God's tabernacle. And when that enters the tabernacle, death is the just penalty. And so Moses and Aaron now need to prepare the people to be cleansed, to be pure when you enter God's temple and tabernacle. And so we will see an emphasis through the rest of the book on cleanliness, on purity, to show us the holiness of God and what is demanded being in his presence. And ultimately, how is this cleansed? We'll see the the next high point in the book comes in chapter 16, the day of atonement, when all of the temple is purged by the blood of of this ram, this goat. And here we see the tabernacle is set aright finally. So we have ongoing tension. The tabernacle has been defiled. How will God cleanse it? He must to dwell with his people because he is holy. So the holiness of God here as taught in this passage shows us two things. First, our approach to God and worship. It shows us how holy God is when we come and approach him. Psalm 96.9 says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The worship of God is not a casual affair. We're entering the presence of the holy God of heaven and earth. As we read earlier from Hebrews 12, we're exhorted, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. We must come with reverence and awe, fear and trembling, not being, not, not, not being afraid of being struck 
struck down, as we'll see in a moment, but knowing this is the Holy One of Israel, the most holy one in the universe. And we come to him with reverence and awe. John Calvin says, reflecting on this passage, if we reflect how holy a thing God's worship is, the enormity of the punishment will by no means offend us. If we understand how holy God's worship is for us today even, we'll understand this judgment. The holiness of God is key. When we come to worship God, that's why we take a moment before to prepare to worship God. We're entering the presence of a holy God. So we must worship God with reverence and awe. Another application here is that you and I need to be cleansed. Do we not? How can we render perfect worship to God? Is there any hope for us? Who has come perfectly into this place with reverence and awe to worship God? Who can do such a thing? But it's amazing what we are told about who we are in Christ. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 1, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Or later in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul has a whole list of, of really bad, sinful people. The world even would look at him and say, yo, these are the sinners. But what does Paul say to the Christians? And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's amazing. Paul says, we in Christ are sanctified. That's the same word for holy. You were holified. You were made holy. And he says this without any qualification. He said, this is true of you. You are holy because of Christ, because of the grace of God. So you need to be cleansed. There's no hope coming into the presence of God apart from being sanctified by Christ. So that leads us finally to reflect for a moment on the grace of God. The grace of God. I think it's very easy to read this text, and, and we often refer to it, do we not? Talking about how proper we want our worship to be. We want to make sure we're honoring God and only do that which He commands. And this is good and right. And these principles apply to our worship today. But sometimes we can read this passage and teach this passage, and it's only, it only strikes terror in us. It's only taught in such a way that makes us fearful of coming to the presence of God. There's an incredible line here in this section. And if you go too quickly, you'll miss it. I want to read this again. Leviticus 10, verse 2. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed. This is that fire of judgment that came upon them. But, but run back up a few verses to Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed. This is identical English in these two places. And you go back to the Hebrew, it's identical Hebrew in these two places. And what's showing, what this is showing us is that for sinful people to approach a holy God, a judgment fire must come. 
And the only difference between chapter 9 and chapter 10 is that in chapter 9, the sacrifices were offered and the people of Israel came through the sacrifices God appointed. In chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu, they come offering their own sacrifices. They come saying, I don't need the sacrifice you've given. I am going to bring my own. In other words, I'm not coming on the merit of your promise of grace through your sacrifice. I'm coming doing it myself. Spurning the offer of salvation. They turn from God's means, appointed means of salvation to their own. They think God, what God has appointed is not sufficient. And they say, I can offer my own sacrifice. But no, the sacrifice that is not God's appointed sacrifice is no sacrifice at all. The fiery judgment will come. It's either going to come for the sacrifice on your behalf or it's coming for you. Even if you're a priest, even if you look the most religious in the world, even if you look the most holy, the question is, what stands between you and God? Are you coming on your own? Are you coming on your own strength and your own power? Or are you coming on the basis of the sacrifice God has given? The grace of God for you. God says there is a sacrifice in Jesus Christ. Look to him. This is the essence of what Nadab and Abihu did. Did they trust God and his gracious provision? The answer is no. They did not trust God. And this isn't being, this, this passage isn't about being stricken dead for one wrong but well-meaning move. This is about a denial of the gospel itself. This is about what am I placing my trust in? Is it a gracious, holy God or is it myself? This is a reminder to all of us. We must look to God's appointed sacrifice. We can only look to Jesus Christ. There is no hope save in him. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He is the one consumed for you and me. He is the one who sanctifies us and brings us into the presence of God. So brothers and sisters, let us look to Jesus even this day and we can rejoice in his presence as Israel, shouting, falling on our faces because we have been the recipients of an extraordinary grace as his sacrifice stands in our stead, receiving the judgment in our place. Let us look to him in prayer. Lord, that you would show us your grace, even in such a story as this. We are grateful that you have given us Jesus Christ, our sacrifice, our atonement, our King forever and ever. May we have eyes to see him, to rejoice in him, and to live in such a way that pleases him. Not to earn this salvation, but to live it out an expression of thankfulness and joy. Oh Lord, we look to you and thank you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information or to connect with us, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org.